0: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Sony Open. Joining me to break it all down, it's not Greg Ducharme. Greg, a well-deserved day off that right there. That's Sal Vetri of the Sal Vetri YouTube channel. What up, my man?
1: What's going on, man? Yeah, thanks. Happy to be here. I'd like to say, just at the start, it's been awesome just seeing everything that you've been able to do these last couple of years. So the listeners, the viewers of this show, they got a good one in charge. So thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: Much appreciated. This is our, I think, this is our first official collab. It's 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 long overdue. Uh, I'm glad we were we were able to figure out a way to 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 get it done, and here it is.
1: Hundred percent. I can't agree more.
0: Love it. All right. So uh, this week's Sony Open. So Sal, we are uh, at the final leg of our two week hawaii swing if that's what you want to call it between maui and honolulu and the course for this week why Lai country club fun fact this is the first place i ever saw a live golf tournament so can you believe that it was years and years ago but this was it. sony open in hawaii what's the backstory why were you there uh, my sister used to live there. My sister wow. used to live in Honolulu for I don't know five or six years. We would visit over like winter break when I was in college, and this kind of ran into it. We said, "Oh, the Sony Open—they're basically giving away tickets to this thing. Let's go check it out." And that's when I realized uh, I would never be a professional golfer because when you get, <laughs> when you get up close and personal, these guys hit shots. Uh, I think I told. I think I might have told. Greg, this uh, but I don't know if we was on air like Spencer Levine. I watched Spencer Levine, who was like the worst golfer at the time, hit a shot that I could not even imagine. And I was like, oh my God, these guys are absolutely phenomenal. That's yeah,
1: it's levels and levels beyond. I, I have a, I have a buddy actually that uh they're doing some Hawaii's doing something where they'll pay for people's tickets to come there right now for whatever reason. And my buddy signed up to do that, so maybe I'll have to try and tell him. To head there. He he signed up and he didn't actually win it, but then he was just anchored on the fact on going, so now he's actually going anyways. Maybe that's the big marketing ploy.
0: Is <laughs> that's I, exactly what it is? Say you're gonna high give high. it away, get everybody's hopes up, and then when they don't win, they just go and, and buy a ticket anyway. Great exactly.
1: Ah oh, man, I guess I'll go.
0: <laughs> yeah, tough break. Uh Wy, Country Club. So if you're looking for comparisons to last week's plantation course at Kapalua, very, very different. Last week, a field of forty-two and thirty-one of those golfers have made the quick hop over to Honolulu, but the, the similarities are are few and far between. Um, Kapalua, tons of elevation changes. It's long. It, it plays like 7,600 yards. This week, a par 70. Almost. I mean, this is one of the easiest walks, Sal, on, on the PGA Tour. This thing is about as flat as you can get out at wildlife.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're going to have a lot of guys coming over from Last week, just in general. And, and yeah, that's honestly what I'm going to be looking at is just basically approach. Like most weeks, it's it's almost a cop out to just say approach is important, ball striking, all that. But this week, yeah, approach putting to an extent, try and see how much you can get from that. That's how I'm going to be approaching this one. Like you said, it's one of the easier courses that you're going to be finding. One of the shorter courses, par 70, you can look at those guys that succeed there, have some trouble there. That's kind of the, the top level of what I'll be looking at for wildlife.
0: And while last week we saw 100-yard wide fairways, they will be much more narrow at y line. Not a huge issue if you do miss the fairway. Obviously, playing out of the short grass much better than playing out of any rough, no matter how thick it is. And we've seen low scores here. You mentioned that, Sal. Outside of essentially last year, which uh, Cameron... Smith wins in a playoff over Brendan Steele. I think they got to 11 under par. It was kind of wet. It was kind of sloppy. The wind was was up for the most of the week, but uh, I think in general you are going to want birdie makers at uh, at this event.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's something that I mean that's something that will actually translate over from last week at least. Just if you're talking about just birdie fest in general, so you're gonna have those narrow fairways, like we said. That's that's something that I'll at least look at in terms of just trying to find some sort of accuracy but like you're saying how many times are these guys relative to most weeks even relative to last week actually going to be taking out the big stick the driver probably not as much or at least not have to rely on it as much so it's not something that i'm going to just overweight or try and make it 50 percent of my decision so yeah i think that you can kind of just take we'll talk about some guys but really look at this field double triple sizes last week's and you're going to be getting a lot of guys in play to actually be live to win this thing
0: uh, good point. point first full field event of 2021 meaning we are going to get a cut after 36 holes and there were a couple of wds won this morning patrick reed he gone he's not playing this week victor hovland that news came out sunday night so a couple of the bigger names they're being filled in with alternates but uh, we start at the top of the player pool on DraftKings king sal and it is led by webb simpson at eleven thousand one hundred dollars there are six golfers over ten thousand so right behind Webb is Harris English, our newly crowned PGA Tour winner from last week at ten thousand eight hundred. Colin Morikawa at ten six. Joaquin Neiman, runner-up finisher last week, ten thousand four hundred. Hideki, we'll talk about him, ten thousand two hundred. And Daniel Berger at a flat ten thousand. Which one of these golfers, Sal, is moving the needle most for you?
1: Yeah, so early on, the one that's going to move the needle probably the most for me right now is going to be Colin Morikawa. When you look at this course. I mean, you have Webb, just the par 70, El Capitan, if you will. But then if you want to look after that, hope some people get the reference, the assistant to the par 70 regional <laughs> manager here hey. is going yeah. to be, is going to calm work out right now in this field. He ranks second, at least over everybody's last 50 rounds on par 70s. And what you're looking for exactly what I'm looking for, ball striking approach. The putting's going to be the one thing if you ever just putch, neutral a zero right doesn't gain anything he'll be fine for you up there and that's where i'm going to be looking you had those back-to-backs i had him in an outright and i actually thought okay well this is actually turning into something after back-to-back eight unders didn't do anything on sunday really it was the one day that his irons actually let him down but i'm fine to go right back to him. i'm not going to wait that final round too much there so ten thousand six hundred dollars column cow would be my play in that range as much as i wanted to go to Hideki, had to <laughs> hold myself back
0: uh, we'll talk about Hideki in a second. I want to mine into, to Morikawa just a bit here, because I think this is, uh, this is kind of a strategic take and, and I like where you're going with this. And it's a lot about, uh, perception versus reality. And, and in reality, Colin Morikawa finished T7 at the tournament of champions. And for the most part played great last week. Uh, But if you were watching and you see that he was, you know, one of the favorites heading into Sunday, he was one of the few guys who did not break par on Sunday. His irons were not very good in the final round. It's going to look like a big disappointment. So I think a lot of people might opt to stay off of Colin Morikawa because of what they saw on Sunday, when in reality, he he did exactly what we kind of expect and what peak Morikawa is for 54 holes last week.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, I think the whole perception versus reality thing that you're touching on is is really the point that I want to get to there is just this was a guy that coming into Sunday that you were looking at odds books was somebody that was very live to win the event. And now it's going to be coming into a spot where, OK, you have the guys that were in the playoff right now in the same exact price range sandwiched in between those guys. You have Webb, who everybody likes to play on these par 70s or at least generates and pulls that ownership. So I thought that Early in the week, you probably think that a guy like Colin Marcao will be one of the chalkier names. He might end up being that in this range, but I think there's enough names in the range in general just to not make it overwhelming if it was to be so.
0: Okay, I'll make the case. I'll step on the soapbox for Webb Simpson here. Uh, what he did last week at Kapalua with his driver was terrible. It was historically bad for him. He lost six and a half strokes off the tee. I ran it through my database. I could not find another instance of him hitting the driver that poorly over the course of a four round event. And I'm willing to say that's that's not going to happen again. And even with that poor driver, the guy finds a way to finish 17th in a field of championships. Champions and guys that made it to the tour championship and now you get Webb at what should be one of the best web courses you know we talk about him at, at rbc heritage uh you can throw it throw his name in at, at of course Wyndham or race management but here it is par 70 uh don't have to be long off the tee. ability to hit your irons your wedge as well find a hot putter like yeah i, I think web's interesting and i think the biggest thing for me sal and i wonder if you have noticed this over the course of um I want to say it's been a couple of months, like the last handful of of golf slates that we've had, DraftKings has been pretty nice to us at the top. You know, Webb's 11,100. I think in the past we would have seen this closer to 12,000 for the highest priced golfer. I, I think it's a lot easier to get the most expensive golfer into your lineups these days.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you get more of the full field, which is going to help. And I was going to actually say, I thought probably like an $11,400, $11, tag because we were getting at like three o'clock and I don't know if we were going to have the salaries trying to play the guessing game. So that's what I was trying to jot some things down. But yeah, I think that makes sense. You're going to get scoring too. It's so like out of the guy at the top and you know, you have a ceiling on web. He's what top five score for DraftKings in this field right now. So those are always things that you want to look for up towards the top. Could you
0: imagine if we had to come on here and start guessing salaries because they weren't out yet? How, how bad of a show would that be? <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I, I was trying to like yep. prepare for everything right here. I was like writing stuff down. Then I was like, all right, it's like three o'clock right now. We don't got salaries. So I uh, might have to go take this thing to a whole nother level. It's it's uh, it would be great in the moment, and then when salaries came out, we'd see how wrong we were, and it would be it would be terrible, especially uh, because most people would be tuning in on Tuesday, Wednesday, right. and maybe like, what are these guys talking? Like these are the people we're listening to right now. Yeah. So thank goodness the uh, the salaries did eventually come out, not uh, to make us look too much like fools. A um, couple other names here, we can go kind of kind of quickly on these guys, but they are the most expensive. It's it's worth a it's worth a conversation. The two the two guys who were in a in a playoff uh, last week. It's Harris English who comes out victorious. It's Joaquin Neiman, uh, who finished runner up. And, and now now what do we do with them? Right. I mean, there, again, this is a situation where these two guys were in a, a very visual spot. Everyone saw what happened. They're now front of mind. They both get significant price increases. I don't know if we should, uh, you know, expect more of the same this week or if these are just kind of flat out fates.
1: Yeah. I honestly think both are probably flat out fades for me. I would be more willing to probably play Harris English if I had to choose one of them, just because of the consistency that we've seen for a much longer period of time right now. Whereas you're getting Neiman and the consistency has come on, especially towards the end of last year, but not in the same way of top 20, top 10 finishes as much as you're getting right now to Harris English, but neither of them are really plays. I never thought in my life in this type of a field, especially with the top 25 players. I think there's like 10 or nine of them in this field right now that would be paying $10,000 plus for Neiman. And I'm just probably not going to do it. Then you get Harris English for the first time in seven and a half years, I believe it was wins an event. I mean, I think good old Harry English is going to spend his nice night or two hanging out, staying up late, enjoying this victory. And I'm just trying to talk myself off of this play at 10,800. And he's just not going to be as prepared for this week. So that's just some things I don't really want to be paying up for these guys when they're surrounded by Morikawa. Webb and some other guys that I think have a little bit more of a, a ceiling, hard to say when English is coming off of a win, but consistency to that ceiling.
0: Old Harry Hands with 1.3 million bucks in his pocket in Maui. Yeah, I don't I, I mean, listen, I, I would take a day or two not think about golf, you know, just just chill out. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe rounds into format in, in Honolulu. But uh, I agree with you. These are these are prices that I'm not particularly interested in, in paying. And then Hideki who you mentioned, Um, I mean, God, you know, he was my one and done pick last week the guy was difficult to watch the shot tracker was even worse to watch he lost like nine and a half strokes putting one of the worst putting performances of his career and he's a bad putter so like it, it's always bad and it was it, it awful from him i'm a little bit worried that he's lost the putter right as much as i like to say this thing bounce back bounces back uh all the time putting is so volatile blah 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 all that stuff when you lose nine and a half strokes over four rounds you you might be too far gone for me <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, I was just gonna try and come in here uh, for a spin zone and say it wasn't his worst performance of his of his <laughs> career, but I don't know how much that's really saving him at this point. But yeah, he did he did he finish last? I, I didn't end up seeing the end of the leaderboard. Finished board. in a tie for last with Mackenzie Hughes. <laughs> no, that's somebody that I actually had a decent amount of exposure to, so not great. Um, yeah, I, I would say that Hideki is somebody when I when I saw this. And I was hoping he'd be in the 9K range or maybe even like upper eights, but 9K range. And I could actually get on board with, okay, you know, one of the worst performance putting in his career. He's really good on par 70s. This is an event where it's not as loaded at the top, but I just can't get there. I haven't been above the field on a decade, played him in any meaningful amount of lineups in probably a year plus now. I question the total upside. And now when he's in this $10,000 range, I do I think I can get a top five out of him? Maybe, but not as much as the guys around him. So as much as I want to get there, because I just don't see any ownership coming his way, him getting that five-figure price tag is something that I probably can't get to.
0: Okay. So as we know, there's there, there's a price for everybody and everything. Is there an ownership number that if we know come Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, if I told you he was 3% owned on DraftKings, what, what, what would that number be that would interest you in Hideki?
1: Yeah. That, that would interest me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> me too. If, if he comes in like 10%, I, I probably won't really have much on that, but if he's at 3% owned, I could probably get triple the field and really not have much of an issue on that. In like single entry builds, three max where a lot of my exposure is, I'm still probably not getting there. Even if he's at like 3% owned. Yeah, it's
0: yeah, we'll, we'll see as the week goes on. But uh, Hideki is is kind of tough to swallow at the moment. Moving down into the 9K range, Sal led off by Sung J. M. We've got our defending champion Cam Smith here. We have Greg Ducharme's picked to win. He already told us this like nine days ago. He picked Abraham Anser to win. Uh, Ryan Palmer, who played well last week at 9200. He played well here at the Sony Open last year as well. And then Adam Scott. Rounds out this range. Another thing I've noticed with DraftKings in the last couple of months, this nine K range, at least in 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 PGA contests, has been like four or five guys. That's it. That used to be a much larger range, and it's 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 really narrowed itself.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if there's anything to it, but the, these fields that aren't like like if it's not a major event, basically, or anything that's just loaded with players, it, it's normally four or five. Like. This is not a weak field event, but just any type of smaller field events, weeks where some guys are passing up on, it usually seems to be four or five. I don't know if that's something I've just noticed or if there's actually any type of causation correlation to that. But yeah, it's you get a little bit of a weaker range here, which I actually don't mind. It's easier to start a lineup with two guys there and just get unique naturally.
0: All right, so of these guys, I'm a bit partial to Sung Jm. Just a big time believer, but then I start rolling through the numbers, and the guy led the field in strokes gained T to green last week at the Tournament of Champions. That's more than Neiman. It's more than Thompson. It's more than everybody. He literally led the field. So that's probably where I would start. Um, I, I want to know who who you're most interested in here, but I also do want to dive into that idea of maybe starting in the 9K range, Sal, and foregoing everybody in the 10K?
1: Yeah, I don't mind starting in the 9K range. Like you said, there's not as many options, so it's just opportunity costing starts to matter a little bit. But yeah, starting with Sanjay, and then the guy that I like the most in this range is factoring in the price is probably Adam Scott. You don't have to worry as much off the tee. He was, I believe, the... He missed the fourth most fairways last week, which again, it's really not going to hurt you that much unless you're really out in the hazard area. So I think he's fine there. And he actually finished third in approach last week. That's something that I really wanted to monitor. The approach play has been coming back a little bit for him over these last couple of events that we saw. He struggled with it probably back last summer when we saw him a couple of times. Don't get to see him that much on the PGA tour, but yeah, I'm fine to go to it. He finished average finish 21st, pretty much like right in the middle of the pack last week. What really got him was the short game, the around the green play. Uh, I don't think that's something that I'm going to just assume is going to carry over in the same way of losing seven strokes in those regards so yeah gain almost seven strokes on approach i think adam scott at that price tag you might get an ownership discount on it and i think you're actually getting a price discount
0: I've, I'm kind of on record of like, you know, Adam Scott, he, did, he only played six times after the restart. I guess last week was his was his seventh time. And I just didn't know what to expect. But if we are going to start to see this, you're right. The ball striking, the things that we saw at the tournament of champions, if we're starting to see that on a regular basis, now I'm starting to get interested in it again. And I, I do want to um, advocate for Abraham answer here, not just because Greg told me a week ago that he's going to win this event, but, you know, it, the, the difference between Cap last week where driving distance was such a strong correlator to success. Not necessarily the case here at at Y Lai. It's it's 7,000 yards. It's a par 70. Being able to find the fairway and then taking it from there is why guys like Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar, Russell Henley have had success. And I think answer, Sal, is... Built from that same type of model, right? He's never gonna outdrive the field, but he's going to be a competitor. We saw we saw that at the president's cup, and he still has this chip on his shoulder, one of the highest ranked players in the world to never win on the PGA tour or the European tour. It's at least a pretty good spot for him.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think he finished off his year last year pretty well. We saw it last week. In a fine spot as well. I mean, you play as bad as you do just T. to green and you're still finishing top 20 small field event. I think last year he was dealing with, there was like a two or three week stretch where he was dealing with like stitches in his hand. That was like very underreported. It was like two or three stitches in his hand. I think that definitely messed up some of the stuff. That's actually where he missed his cut at the Northern Trust. But yeah, I think it's okay to get the answer in this range. Really the only spot in this range where I'm a little bit hesitant to go to is probably going to be the defending champion in Cameron Smith, if anything. Last week, you saw the approach play go, which it's one event, but he's been streaky on approach. We can date back for like two years now that he can lose that thing. He can lose his irons here and there. And then it's just also a price point. Are you paying a premium for a defending champion? I think where he is in this player pool, I think you are.
0: I, I certainly think you are. He gets he gets the boost for beating Brendan Steele in a playoff last year. And, and that's kind of the problem with guys like Cam Smith, who are so reliant on the short game is if he's not gaining four or five, six strokes on the putting surface, he's probably not going to win. And, and a lot of other things have to go right for him. So I think it's just a much more narrow path to victory for Cam Smith than it might be for some of these other guys. Like, I mean, Sungjae lost three and a half strokes putting last week. He's a if he's a zero putter, he runs away with this. Thing. Thing, right so um pretty crazy and then the other guy here and, and I think we're going to be we could be on the same page here with Ryan Palmer is as much as I love RP as much as I know he's had success here at the Sony Open now we're paying a price that I I think is a bit inflated right he was one of the most he was one of the highest owned golfers on DraftKings last week and he came through historically it, it it's going to be similar this week right there's just going to be a lot of guys on him
1: yeah. And, and when he was in like the seven and eight K range, he was, he was still picking up decent ownership for pretty large field events, like 15%, I think at the Zozo when we saw him before that, but yeah, he was 27% i them seeing right now last week. And like you said, he's coming through. So outside of Cam Smith, he's probably the one in that range that I'm not going to be getting to all that much, but I do think there's a good amount of merit to a Sunjay M plus, if you want to go answer plus Scott type of a build and just fading that five, uh, that 10 K range, five
0: figure range. You really don't have to worry about really ownership at all after that. I mean, it is interesting. The more I look at it, you know, I'm, I'm not as worried about fading English Neiman Hideki. So it's really like, am I trying to dodge a bullet on Webb, Murakawa and, and Burger? I mean, the more I look at this, I could probably get to a build that starts in the nine K range. We'll see.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and then just heading down into the acre range, you have other guys as well that there's some, at least to me, some guys that stand out a little bit above, above the rest from Maybe not so much like a consistency standpoint, but just like overall win upside, which is probably another reason why Scott stands out a little bit to me, just trying to value that like top one finish. How often do you get there and putting that into a little bit into the equation? That's probably why he also is at nine K flat, another appealing option.
0: That right there is a professional tease because we are going to get into that eight K range on the other side, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and Viore has threaded that Needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the Men's Sunday Performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky. As, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% And we're back. $8,000 on DraftKings. Sal, I know there's a couple of guys that pique my interest in this range. It starts with Kevin Kisner, who in theory could be a pretty good fit for YLI, and goes all the way down to Charles Howe III, Eric Van Ruin, EVR at a flat 8,000. Who of these guys are you targeting in the 8K?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of guys that I like in this range. And yeah, I'll go back to back with the flat pricing. I'll go with EVR. I'll go with Van Ruin here. He's somebody that we got to see last week, which in, in general, or we didn't get to see last week, but in general, what I'm trying to do is really underweight positive performance that we saw last week and not try and follow the hype of some of the big ones like we were talking about with those 10k guys that we saw in the playoff but evr is somebody that you're just getting consistency from this 8k range you don't really need somebody to win to pay off their price tag you need i don't know top 20 is usually fine if they're doing anything from a scoring perspective so evr is a guy that i like here he's 14th in this field and birdie or better you're getting that approach in ball striking combination that's Probably the best in this range, probably up there with Sergio right now. So EVR is in the range. Honestly, somebody that I'll ask you about is Sergio. We saw him last week. We saw him play well. And I really want to know what to make of it. Want to know later in the week if ownership is going to come there. But early on, he's somebody that has me a little bit puzzled.
0: The thing with Sergio uh, is he's on brand, right? Sergio never goes off brand. From, from T to green, he's phenomenal. From When he's when he has the flat stick in his hand, he's closing his eyes and he and he can't figure it out. And he did it again last week at Kapalua. He gained nearly eight strokes from T to green. It was fourth best in the field. He was 39th out of a field of 42 in strokes gained putting. So the issue... It's weird. It's not necessarily an issue as long as you know what you're getting yourself into with Sergio Garcia. And what I think you're getting yourself into is a guy who's going to be a great ball striker. And there are going to be weeks. We're going to see a week like we saw at the Sanderson Farms where he gains two or three strokes putting and he wins the event. I think we're going to see that again. The problem, Sal? no foreshadowing like it's he doesn't build up to it it's not like he gradually gets better than the flat stick he finds it it's just like he'll lose strokes putting for eight straight events he'll find it for four days and he'll raise the trophy on sunday so I, i think as long as you understand what you're getting from sergio garcia that's fine but it's it's not any semblance of consistency on the greens, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, please please talk me out of it. Cause I, I think that might be I think when he won
1: Sanderson, that might be there might be one other time where he gained strokes putting since like this time last year. So it's really tough to have to rely on that.
0: It certainly is. And and there are ball strikers in this range. You you talk about Sergio Russell Henley's here. Russell Henley at $8,700. He's making his first start of 2021. And if you run the numbers back to the tour's restart and look at just approach players, no golfer in this field has gained more strokes on approach per round than Russell Henley. He's won this event, he's won the Sony Open before. I think when he won it he set the scoring record. I don't know if that record still stands, but this this should be a spot for success, but I imagine he's going to be a popular guy in the in the $8,000 range.
1: Yeah, he he he's one of the guys that if you're if you're gonna take again the 10k range, drop down to the eights, or just in general, I think a lot of people are going to prioritize their lineup in the 8K range with Henley. I mean, he looks good, like you're saying, if anybody's looking at any type of database, you're gonna see that one next to his name when it comes to just some of the ball striking numbers from the overall total strokes gained, DraftKings scoring, which is another thing that's going to be pretty important. So I, I don't really have a strong stance on Henley either way earlier in the week. I think that if I like some guys, like I, if the ownership is going to be two to one somewhere around there, I, I just easily go to Scott. I like Scott a good amount so far this week early on. So I can see myself getting away from it. I'm, I'm pretty neutral to the field. If he comes in 15% on and I'm around there, I'm, I'm fine with that. Concerns I have.
0: Um, one of the guys that, that you have as a fade certainly – Catches my attention, and I want to talk to you about that. But I'll lump in uh, Matt Matt Kucher into this into this scenario. You know, Kucher is a guy that I think for about two years ran pretty significantly well over expectation in terms of the of the wind department. And now we're starting to see him regress to the mean a little bit. I think he's going to catch a lot of ownership just because it's Matt Kucher. It's a household name. It's the Sony Open. He won this two years ago. It should be a good fit for him. I'm not sure we're at that version of Matt Kucher anymore. I mean, he hasn't played well. I think he's got zero top, I don't know, I don't call it 15s in his last, in his last 15 starts. Something, I think it's top 20s in his last 15 starts, something like that. He just hasn't been good. He hasn't contended anywhere. And I don't think that course history is going to save him this time. So that's my fade in the eight K range. And you've got a fade as well here.
1: Yeah. I think that's a pretty solid fade. Like you're getting the weekend out of Kucher, but that's about it. He's at least making, that's what you want out of like a $6,000 player, not in your eight K guy. So yeah, I mean, Charles the third is, is somebody that if you're, seeing any type of content this week he is the 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 course history god at this at this point he's made i think 10 top 10s he's pretty much finished like top 25 i would say 60 65 percent of the time that he's played here if not more than that and for me it's just it's what is the upside here he's had a couple of runner-up finishes so that's clearly the upside here but if he's not runner-up finishing for you right he, he's kind of priced for this the course history bump here um is your upside what he normally does which is you know if he makes the cut he's getting your 30th place finish if I think my opponents, if we're talking DFS strategy, if I think my opponents are going to see that, see him as a safe play, whether it's in cash, whether it's in GPPs, and put him in there, I question what the actual upside is. Do I think that he can win this event? Honestly, yes, he can win it, but do I think relative to other guys around him? Not so much. So if I think that his upside is you know, 20th, 25th, but there's some downside in the 40s or 50s, a miscut as always, yeah, I'm okay to not get there assuming that ownership's gonna be a little bit inflated on the guy that, yeah, I mean, 75% of the time that he comes here, he's finishing him in the top 20, top 25.
0: I just got reminded in the chat that Matt Kuchar won the QBE shootout with Harris English. Uh, yeah, my bad. That's, that's, that's on me. I've, I'm not going to count that towards his, uh, towards his recent results here
1: yeah I think I think, I think that's fair I, I I want to know what that is but I'm not going to try and play it off.
0: <laughs> oh that's phenomenal stuff 7k range let's bop on down to the seven Ks which this is where I think I think things start to get really interesting i've I've picked out a couple of value plays I've picked out a couple of guys that um, I'm certainly going to be staying away from but Sal I want to start here with you guys that are moving the needle for you in this very critical range of pricing, right? This tends to be where you have a lot of guys in the same range. The ownership gets spread out uh, a, a bit more. And this is kind of where your GPPs can be won and lost.
1: Exactly. That's the biggest thing. Like all those guys at AK and above far majority of them, 10%, 15, 20% owned. This is the range where guys start tipping below 5% at a decent clip. So a guy that I like here, it's towards the bottom of the range again. So I'll, I'll name drop cebu Kim. Cause I think he's fine in this range. But I think the discount Siwoo Kim, in some ways, he doesn't have the around the green game, might actually be Sep Straka here. Sep Straka, somebody that on par 70s has been good. He's borderline over the last 50 rounds, a top 10 player in this field. If you're just looking at par 70 DraftKings scoring, which is the thing that I'm really trying to look for, not too worried about placing. So what you're getting is a birdie or better player here. You're getting somebody with the upside and just a discount down in the bottom of the seven K range. I think that that's probably $400, a little bit too cheap from some of the stuff that I'm seeing. So Sep Straka, I think there's upside to that play as well. There's obvious downsides, but he's... He's been a little bit more consistent uh, this time last year, really like towards the summer of last year before the stoppage to golf. You you were just worried about made cuts at that point. I think you feel a little bit more comfortable about that now. I think there's some upside on Sepp Straka.
0: Seb Straka has made five consecutive cuts, which, if you look at the rest of his uh, of his results, he's on a hell of a run. And and what I love about Straka is he seems to always make my showdown lineups, Sal. Because this guy, I swear to you, he's gonna he's gonna shoot the low round of the day one of these rounds. I have no idea when it's gonna be, and I don't know what he's gonna do in the other three rounds. But he's gonna put it together for 18 holes. I know it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know that as a fact. I'm like, i, I probably. I, there's so many times I play Seb Straka when he's missing those cuts and it's a, it's a first round, you know, first round he's up there, not as a first round leader, but he's like fifth or sixth. And I'm like, all right, this is the guy that I needed to come through for me. Now we're feeling good. Next day, you get like a a plus four performance and, and you're missing the cup by a stroke.
0: The name that I will spend lots of oxygen on this week is Sebastian Munoz. He is $7,800. We know he had a great stretch run at the end of 2020. He was contending a lot. He was playing well in some of these deeper fields, but I'm looking at what he did last week at the tournament of champions where He's in paradise. He's, you know, essentially on vacation. He goes out, he shoots two over in round one, and a lot of guys would have just packed the bags, would have just hung out, drank Mai Tais all day long. Uh, Munoz goes out and plays his final 54 holes at 18 under. The aggregate of those final three rounds, Sal was second best in the field behind only Joaquin Neiman. So I don't know if you like to kind of slice it up like this, see what guys do on the weekend leading into events. This is a 54-hole kind of look at it. But, um, you know, he shakes off the rust in in round one. He gets it going over the final three. I think he carries it over into this week at YLAC.
1: Yeah, I, I like it, and I think it is. I think it is pretty important, especially like if if you play any type of if you're live betting, if you play any type of showdown DFS, it's always fun to kind of look at the splits that are happening each day. And yeah, I didn't know how well he was playing. Like I was looking at it each day. All right, he's he's up there at some of these categories that matter. Approach play, strokes gained here and there. And then I saw your tweet, and I was like, All right, this guy absolutely murdered those last three rounds. Um, this is a guy that if you're an OG grinder in DFS these last couple of years, he's always down there in the six K range. It's finally we we, we kind of rise with this man now. Now he's up. To this this top tier of the uh, 7k range but yeah i have no reason not to get away from him. he's another guy kind of like henley that just looks good he just looks good based on where he's priced you can argue that maybe he's a little bit overpriced but i would argue back that the consistency that you're seeing a couple of missed cuts to end last year but just loads of top 25s top 15 finishes yeah there's real upside in, in sebastian munoz and he's a scorer like that's the thing for that's all why we always played him in the sixk range. And, uh, this is a guy who's like a top 20 scorer. He played in the sixth range every single week. Hope he makes the cut. Now he's making the cuts and he's still scoring.
0: There was an event, I want to say it was Northern Trust. It was one of the I think it was one of the playoff events. He like birdied his first eight holes, and I was all hot and bothered, and I was in a lather over here. But like, I mean, obviously he's not gonna birdie his first eight, but like he has that upside. There are a few guys on the PGA tour who can get unconscious out-of-body experiences, and believe it or not, Sebastian Munoz is one of those guys, and he is a very good price. Now, uh, there's one guy. Guy that I think you and I are connecting on in terms of a fade in this range. It's it's Mark Leishman. Sally's been struggling over. I mean, since the restart, he's been he's been pretty pathetic. We kind of saw something. I, I don't know. Actually, I take that back. I'm not sure we saw anything last week on Leishman and that, that's the thing I, I think
1: people are going to have that in mind say okay we, we saw the masters finish of a uh, 13th overall okay Leishman's got some life to him nothing at the OHL and then I think last week people are gonna be like okay there, there's some stuff happening on the approach he finishes with a decent performance but I'm just not going to buy it all that much like, like I said earlier a little bit if if there's any spots where people are going to get a little bit overconfident this week just based on last week's results in a smaller field where maybe his performance last week actually misses the cut in a large field event yeah I'm probably not going to be jumping back to it and I think the price point's just a little bit too much if he was mid low 7k range, which is basically where his play's been for this last half year to since he won closer to this time last year, then I'm probably not going to get there. He did lose five strokes putting, but the putter has not been there now for two to three to four months.
0: Yeah, that is certainly for sure. He's been one of the worst players on the PGA Tour since since the restart in terms of strokes gained. And I'm not sure I see it turning around anytime soon. I'm going to need to see signs of life from Mark Leishman before moving uh, any type of investment back onto him. The one interesting name at the bottom of the 7K range, he's $7,200, it's, it's Cameron Davis. So, you know, we've been talking a lot, Sal, about the type of golfer that would probably have success this week. And a lot of them are going to be active. Accurate hitters, guys that can hit their irons well, get a a hot putter. Uh, Cameron Davis is not going to play that way. He's going to go out there. He's going to try to take it bombing gouge style. He's going to try to take on that two inch, two and a half inch thick rough at Y lie and just try to make a bunch of birdies. And, you know, we saw him. Uh, Well, he contended for a minute at Wyndham before I think the stage got a little bit too big for him. We saw him uh, on the first page of the leaderboard at the Sanderson Farms, and he finished ninth here last year. So a place that he's got at least decent vibes. I think that he could be in store for a pretty good start to 2021. Is there anybody else here in the 7K range that we don't want to miss out on before we we jump down one more time?
1: Yeah, I actually think that there's a decent amount of guys, but I, I'll give a little bit of a name drop to somebody who will probably be 1%, 2% on, and that's going to be Rory Sabatini. He's somebody that when you get to some of these par 70 courses, he plays, it's something that I've kept an eye on for a little bit now, probably the last year, and he'll come off of miscuts cuts and then play well. Um, You've seen it at the Sanderson. The putter actually got hot there, so that's really why. But these par 70 courses, he plays a little bit better, but even not, even not. He's a, I would say, Consistent golfer that when he's making the cup, he's getting you somewhere in that top 20 finish. He's somebody that grinds out every single round as long as he's making it to the weekend for you. So Rory Sabatini, somebody who never gets any love. He's definitely a, a hot and cold guy uh, for sure. So we're going to see him in his first start here. He's somebody that I, I'm fine to get to uh, in this event.
0: You just made producer Jacob very happy. Rory Sabatini is like his favorite golfer. He could uh, tell you hours and hours of stories with old roars. Uh, So you've got a new fan right there, Sal. Uh, Jumping into the 6K range, it's a large range. We've got guys who... Uh, We haven't some some we haven't seen play in a while. Some are uh, most of them are making their their 2021 debut. So this is this is value time. This is time to find uh, a cut, right? Find a weekend. What are we expecting out of some of the guys down here in the sub seven K range?
1: Yeah, that's what I want. Uh, All I want is a cut. And, And if you make the cut, I mean, might as well look at guys that actually score highly guys that perform on par 70s guys that are going to have that type of a benefit from not having to take out driver as much i'm going to end up going to and it's tough here just because trying to rely on him at all it's you're going to need this right at the last hole you're gonna have some sort of miscut a sweat but i'm gonna go to danny lee here he's made four of his last six cuts he's somebody that does score well i think he's 12th in this field over his last 50 rounds relative to everybody else on par 70s DraftKings scoring so getting a little bit of made cut equity lately and and some top finishes too you've had a couple of top 25s over his last six events so i'll go to danny Lee there. We're just hoping for a cut. I think what he can do after a cut is worth the price point.
0: Danny Lee's been grinding in the gym. I follow him on Instagram. So he's getting ready for his new 2021 season. He's ready to rock and roll. I'm going to throw out Brian Gay here. And this is a little bit scary because uh, it's been a lot of feast or famine for Brian Gay over the course of the past couple of months, mostly famine, very little feast, but he does end up winning in Bermuda. And I think even even if you wouldn't have won in Bermuda, I would have said there are probably like three places that Brian Gay is somewhat interesting at every year. And it's, it's Harbor Town, it's Pebble Beach, and it's right here at Wileye. And, and that is kind of the idea behind, you know, Brian Gay with his limited skill set, his very specific skill set, is really only live a couple of times a year. I think this is one of them. He's got two top 25 finishes in his last four trips to the Sony Open. He's $6,700 on draft. Kings. And quite frankly, I just like him more than I like, I don't know, Andrew Landry, Andrew Putnam, Bon Lahiri, the guys that are surrounding him. So it is with little confidence, but Brian Gay at least, you know, moves the needle like one inch to the right, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. It's a lot of guys that look basically the same down here. Like, there's guys that, I don't know, players that we saw
1: last week, um, whether it's going to be uh, uh Werniski, if it's going to be him, I, I don't have much interest in going there. Similar situation as Mark Leishman, where he finished last week is probably not something that I want to overweight, and I think opponents in DFS might overweight that. What do you usually do, or what do you have to say about Will Gordon, who normally... If this was a smaller field event, it would be a little bit or or not as loaded of an event. Maybe even smaller field would be more expensive. He usually looks well in this range, but it's inflated by like one or two really rounds that he had earlier on. Um, And I don't have to worry about ownership here. One or two percent normally looks good for me. And I normally I'm like, ah, it's going to be the same result. It has been.
0: For whatever reason, and I am as guilty of this as anybody, Will Gordon caught a bunch of steam after Travelers. After that mm-hmm. T3 at the Travelers, and it was like, oh, now he's in the sprint to earn as many points as he can to to, to get his card for next season, and he's going to be super motivated, and he's playing well. And it's like, yes, all of that stuff is true, but it, it never came to fruition. And I still feel like there's that sentiment about him, which it, it really shouldn't be. You're right. I mean, the guy's missed, he missed his last two cuts last year. He does not have a top 25 since that T3 at the Travelers. And it's been a lot of miscuts. It's been a lot of finishes in the 30s, 40s, and, and 50s. So uh, yeah, it, it's it, this is another thing where uh perception and reality are, are not the same thing. And as much as I like Will Gordon's game, he's not a big time DraftKings scorer at the moment, which is yeah. a thing, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Yeah, I mean, I think like last week you saw like a, a Hudson's Warford. He like gained the most fairways, but did not much after that. And, and that's basically what you're going to get. Accuracy is not going to matter as much to me in this range down here as just going out there and being able to hunt some birdies and actually make the cut.
0: The only other guy that I'm, I'm, I'm vaguely interested here. He's also $6,700. It's, it's Nate Lashley. Who's made three of his last four cuts. The, the three finishes that he made the cut, they've been uh top forties. They've all been in the thirties. I, I think that Lashley's interesting. Cause we saw this when he won, I guess it was rocket mortgage, like two years ago. And we've seen this at times in the past is he can get really, really hot for like nine, maybe 18 holes, maybe 27 holes at a time, which goes a long way in DraftKings scoring. Again, it's kind of similar to Sergio Garcia. There's very little to foreshadow what's when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but at least I know that there is a bit of upside pent up inside of Nate Lashley, um, you know, down towards the bottom of this, of this range, Sal, it's really ugly. I'm not sure if there's any interest in, I don't know, Michael Gligick, He was making a bunch of cuts before the, uh, before the, 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 year turned over Wesley Bryan, usually pretty good with his irons, but at, at, at the sub 6,500 range, we are certainly into full on dart throw at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think Wesley Bryant might be the lowest that I go at 6,300, like Chase Seifert and guys like Nick Watney are down here, Kevin Tway, like actual golfers that you recognize compared to some other names, but not really making much cuts lately, not really stuff that I want to touch. And if we're going to go on a premise that it's a little bit easier to start your lineups in the nine and eight K range this week, just some guys to avoid, you don't have to come anywhere near the bottom of the 6K range, let alone that 6K range. Like we were talking about some guys like a Sep Straka in that 7K range towards the bottom of that. There's just a, a totally different level of golfer from $6,500 to $7,000 flat, especially on this slate. So that's probably where I'm just going to roll more so around the Brendan Steels, the Sep Straka's, even the Brendan Grace's at $7,100 before dipping down into the 6K range.
0: The strategy is interesting this week, I think even more than most. I think, you know, I, I'm generally a stars and scrubs type of guy, Sal, but I I'm understanding, Hey, this is the first full field event of 2021. We have a lot of guys who I've not seen do anything in four or five weeks. I have no idea what the shape of their game is. And I think weird stuff happens when you have guys off of a, off of a, a longer, uh, layoff. So maybe getting more guys, six guys between 9,800 and 7,200, maybe that adds a layer of security for me. I think that is viable this week. and, and, because of the 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 pricing. And I also think it's viable this week because there's a lot of unknown from the vast majority of the field.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and one thing I always try and do whenever I do a show for really like any DFS sport or sports betting is just try and pin in on the guys that Either me or, or you in this instance, just don't talk about and see if there's something to that. So what about Daniel Berger at $10,000 flat? Not much from last week. We talked about all the guys in the 9 and the 10K range. And for good reason, those guys for good or worse. And Daniel Berger was kind of this vanilla name in there after having a good week last week. And honestly, last year at points being maybe one of the best golfers uh, after the restart for sure was up there in terms of how he was playing. That could just be a guy where it's basically like starting your lineup in the 9k range at 10k flat could be another name to at least consider and something that I'll probably be watching real close just based off our conversation at what his ownership levels are.
0: It's a great point. You know, Daniel Berger, it's a gift and a curse that he's kind of this just solid underrated. Nobody really talks about him. He doesn't do anything sexy, but he does everything pretty good. It's just like, you know, it's not as exciting as going out and trying to get Webb Simpson or Hideki on the bounce back week. It's just like, yeah, this is Daniel Berger. He's going to be solid for you and he might win like he did it to Charles Schwab. So the idea around, and I've I've, never heard it presented that way i think it's a great idea like who did we not talk about who who did we not spend any oxygen on and why didn't we i i really like that sound
1: yeah i i think i i hope i don't anchor myself onto this I don't i don't care too much i think he might be my first one and done of the year so oh he burger here
0: Oh boy. Okay. Well, I think that, uh, see what's interesting about web is he's obviously the favorite here, but he has so many good spots throughout the year, whether it's, you know, Wyndham waste management, whether it's, uh, RBC, you know, whether it's Harbor town. So like, I I don't know if I should be trying to find a guy like burger, just like, Oh, you know, burger doesn't have a necessarily natural fit. I'll just play him here. Or if I should just burn web. So that's, that's the, that's the discussion I'm having with myself at the moment.
1: Yeah, I could see that. And and I also, I'm just trying to look at it too. This isn't as full of a feel like you, you're still going to get a couple of events and most of the events where you see another 10 to 20 golfers in the field. So that hurts a little bit more when you get to those. And really, where is for me looking at this, whether it is web for your situation or even burger, which I'm going to just talk myself into this at $10,000 flat on DraftKings and where he comes in in this field of just like up premier players, upscale players. How many more fields is he going to get where he just basically has to beat a Harris English, a Webb, a Morikawa, a Neiman, and it's not one of the heavy hitters because we don't have the Roms, we don't have the JTs, we don't have the Roy's, those guys in the field this week. I don't know how many events Berger's going to have without those guys in it this year, and for any of those guys, Webb, like you're talking about. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to try and go this week into one of those guys that you're not going to see in a lot of other fields with a chance.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Well, Daniel Burger catching steam for me at the moment. Sal Vetri, you are uh, doing a lot of great DFS coverage for not only golf, for basketball, for football. You are in the thick of it right now, my man. Tell tell everybody what you have going on on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah, we got them all. We got the DFS sports. So yeah, it's uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Salvatore DFS. That kind of links over to some other stuff. But NBA content, we'll be starting up the golf content this week for the first full field event, and then yeah, NFL closing it out for the playoffs right now.
0: Much appreciated you hopping on, filling in for Greg this week. It was a lot of fun, and I'm hoping that we get a chance to do it again soon.
1: Hundred percent, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Ton of fun.
0: That's Sal Vetri follow him on Twitter at DFS you can follow me at Rick Run good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time the wait is over the shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus what we'll brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never
1: should have sent a boy to do a woman's
0: job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit paramountplus.com slash Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.